the Lord, everyone. Welcome to Christ Center Church. Welcome to everyone who's here this evening, all of you online as well. I'm going to talk for a minute, so why don't you guys sit? The last time I started talking, now you guys stood for a long time, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> About a week ago, I was reading in Exodus, and I was reading this scripture, Exodus uh, 25 and 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall a candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. So, of course, I spent some time just sort of processing that and just thinking about how the, the candlestick, uh, the menorah that was inside of the tabernacle represents the church. Um, we, we all know that the, it was made of gold. We all know that gold is a malleable piece of metal and that's shapeable and how that the, the gold that was in the menorah was beaten rather than molded and that represents our process with the Lord. That led me to really think on what's inside the lamp. It got me to start to think about the oil and um, that led me to a scripture that's in Zechariah. Zechariah 4 and 6 reads, And then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's describing the action of the oil, the Holy Spirit that travels through the vessel which is us, the church. And so, given the fact that we're Daniel fasting right now, I want to share something with you that might be interesting with the Lord's creation. So, um, olive oil is one of the greatest sources of a particular nutrient called um, polyphenols. Polyphenols are associated, they are anti Oxidants. They're in um, various types of foods, mostly fruits and vegetables. Um, olive oil is the greatest source of polyphenols. So polyphenols are used in things like uh, antiseptics, things like um, analgesics. It's used in anti-aging medications and bombs. So Olive oil is used in, throughout the Bible. We know that. It's used it, it, it to represent the call from God. It's used to represent vitality. It's used to represent prosperity. And so, let me just explain it this way. If I take an apple and I cut it in half, within minutes it starts to turn brown. That's oxidation. If I have um, a porch fence, uh, a railing on my porch, the, uh, the handrail, and it breaks, and the metal breaks, it rusts. Both of those are examples of oxidation. What phenols do is they prevent that from taking place inside us. And isn't it amazing how the Lord chose olive oil? 
It's what he created. And so here's one final thought on that. Olive oil is associated a lot with uh, the Mediterranean diet. People that live in the Mediterranean climate use a lot of olive oil. That's not the greatest source of the polyphenols. The most potent olive oil is actually from trees, olive trees, in Morocco, from the desert. And what it does, those, those particular trees extract out of the soil in a way that gives them the source of that particular nutrient that the Lord knew, that the Lord created and placed. And here we are on this Daniel fast, eating foods full of polyphenols. That's how the Hebrew boys had the countenance that they had. That's how they looked like they did and how they were healthier by eating those foods than the other kinds of foods. Just a thought to share with you today. Um, would you stand with me, please? If you Online, if you have a a prayer request, if you're in the sanctuary and you have a prayer request, put your hand up. Those of you online, stand with me again, and let's pray all together. All together, let us pray about the wonder that God has created. To pray together about the healing power that the Lord is, and to pray for the service today. Almighty Father, you are Lord and God Almighty. We gather today, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Here, Lord God, to praise your holy name, to call out to you, Father God, with united hearts, Lord, to call out together, Father God, with united mind, Lord God, that we would, Father, be in that one accord, Lord God, as we usher in the man of God who will ascend here today, Lord God, and share your word. You are righteousness, Father God, and you are holiness, Father. You designed all that is, Father, created, Father, breathed into existence, Lord God, all that we know and see, all, Father God, that is before us, Father. We thank you, Father, for your love, Lord. We thank you, Father, for forming us, Lord God, in your image. We thank you, Father, for your desire to prosper us, Lord God, and lead us, Lord God. Before there was human life, Lord God, you had created the seed, Lord God. You had created the trees, Lord. You had created all things, Lord God, to sustain and grow us, Lord God. And we thank you, Father, for the marvelous way, Lord God, that you have merged, Lord God, the marvelous way that you have put together, Father God, all the living things that are here, Father. Oh, Father, your creation, Lord God, is truly amazing, that you keep us, Lord, in mind with all that you have for us, Father. Father, you have united this group, Lord God. You've called, Lord God, all that are here, Father, all that are physically present, all who are listening, Lord God, this moment, Lord, that are gathered together now in the unity of prayer, Father God, to honor your name, Lord God, to honor you, Father God, with our hearts and our minds, Lord God, to give you, Father, every ounce of us that we have. You are goodness, Lord, and you are holiness, Lord God. You are the almighty healer. You are the one who can, Father, provide, Father, the salvation that you've promised, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, in this hour, Lord God, that you will fill our hearts, Lord God, with your word. 
that you will be with, Lord, the man of God that you have called, Father God, to provide word for us today, that the lips of clay that he'll speak from, Father, the heart, Lord God, that he will put into this, Lord God, will come from you, Lord God. The words would flow, Lord God, just as you have for us to hear them, that we would be submitted, Lord God, into, Father, the word that you provide, that we will do with, Lord God, and apply it, Lord God, as we leave. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that soon coming King, the healer, Lord God, the man who provides salvation, Lord God. We are so grateful, Father God, that the power that you are, Lord God, is here right now. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give the Lord another round of applause. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Praise God. Stay tuned. God is good all the time. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Come on, let's say praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen. <laughs> hallelujah! Y'all need to wake up. So listen, what makes your fast go well is when the spiritual things arises, you engage. If you just rely on the flesh, you're going to be weary tonight. You're going to be lifeless if you're just trusting the flesh tonight. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to move inside of you, you will notice that, oh, that happened really easy. You don't trust me? When, when you're fasting and you give the Spirit of God the opportunity to move in your life, it happens easy. That's what fasting does. It makes you so much it's, you're, you're just that much more connected to the Lord or your, the flow of the Spirit flows in your life much freely or much freer, if you will, because nothing is in the way. The flesh is your main challenge and the flesh is not in the way when you allow the Spirit of God to have preeminence in your life. And so y'all look like y'all need to do something. I don't know what else to say. My Lord. Ooh-wee. Y'all want to cancel tonight's Bible study? My Lord. Look like y'all want to cancel tonight, like, Pastor. I don't know what to tell you. You yarning over there? <laughs> That's because y'all eating that, um, what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was eating what the Hebrew boys was eating. That's what I was eating. I don't know what you all was eating because I feel lively. Come on, somebody. I'll just, I just, I'll just enjoy the Lord by myself tonight. I'll preach to me if y'all not going to listen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. Coming out on a Wednesday night. Amen. I hope you're not cold. You know, we try to make the atmosphere a little comfortable for you, for everybody. You know, some people might be cold, put your, you know, a little coat over your leg and you'll be all right. 
Or we can turn the heat up and some people just be hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, where do I start? Let's go to the book of Second Peter, chapter 3. Um, I don't know when I will stop. Maybe this might, might be the last lesson in um, growth. Growth matters is what we've been talking about. And so um, we're going to talk about it tonight again. Uh, tonight could be the last night unless the Lord says something different. But I'm thinking that tonight may be the final night of our Growth Matters series. And tonight we're on lesson five. And um, we are going to go into Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse number 14. I'm going to read in the NIV version. I normally don't read in the NIV version. Um, Brother Tim asked me about that, said, when, when you first came into church, Pastor, were, did you read the NIV version? And I told him I did not. Now, um, other folks did, and there was nothing wrong with it. But um, I, I told him um, my personality as such, I had to prove that this was the real deal, the church, the word of God. Everybody's different. And um, when I started coming to church, I needed to make sure everything about church was legit because I wasn't going to put my time into anything that I thought was not worth it. And so in order to know everything was legit, I had to read the these and the thous and all of the different kind of um, jargon that the King James Bible used to make sure it's all legit. And so I just went by the King James for many years. It wasn't until later down the line that I started looking into the NIV and all that, because why did I do that? The NIV and all the other versions, um, obviously they're trying to give you a, a more practical way of how the scriptures are interpreted. And but, but I get a little concerned sometimes that when people are trying to make it practical, they can go a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, and the meaning could be off just a little bit. So I was always concerned about that. So I said, you know what, let me stick to the King James Version and let me learn it and understand it. And um, if I need to go deeper, I'll just go back to the original language of which the Bible was written in to really get the full understanding of the meaning of a word. So I never really got to the, um, the, the, the NIV and all the other stuff, but nothing wrong with it um, if you're doing it. So tonight I'm going to read a couple of texts from the NIV. I think it will help us, and that's why I am doing that. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Who is it talking about? Jesus. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. It's unfortunate that the Lord has given us time to get right and to be ready for his return. And many people take the time as to say, well, he hadn't come yet, so I got more time to just act up until, you know, maybe when I know, you know, something dangerous has happened, then I might just begin to, you know, figure out to settle down and give my life to the Lord. Some people think you should only give your life to the Lord when, when you get a little older, some people think when major things happen, like the World Trade Center um, bombing or, or, or the different um, uh, things that happened when we had COVID, we start thinking, ooh, is this it? Is this it? 
And so many of us are reserving our total commitment to God for maybe a specific time or a specific event because that might, you know, sign the coming of the Lord is, you know, closer than we can ever imagine. And that's when we will begin to make plans. But I learned just by living for a little bit that whatever you normally do is what you will continue to do no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, they they always tell uh, professional athletes, keep doing this. Do this all the time. So when the games are bigger, Super Bowl getting ready to be, pray, be played, when, when things get big and, and, and a lot is at stake, if this is what you did always, no big deal. But if it's not something that you do all the time, you start panicking. You start overthinking. Um, your, your heart rate go up a little bit more. And so now you're not thinking straight anymore because you're trying to figure out what's best to do in a situation that you're in. But if you're always doing it over and over, it doesn't matter what situation comes up, what arises. You're doing the same thing that you've always done and you're locked in because you know this is what I've always done. So to wait for some sign or, you know, something to happen to say, you know what, that's when I'm going to get serious. Uh, I think we don't want to do that to ourselves. We want to get serious now. So bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. God has given us time to repent of our sins, to be baptized in Jesus' name, to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, to live holy, to live righteous, and to serve him. He's given us enough time to do it. And that's why I always say when we said, I thank God for waking me up today, I say, why? <laughs> I'm not just thanking God to wake up if I'm going to use that day to sin. Because if I die in my sin, what happens? So I thank God for giving me another day so I can get closer to him, so I can do his will. Another day that if I did wrong yesterday, I can repent and ask for forgiveness, and I didn't die while I was sleeping in my wrong, and now I get this brand new day to ask for forgiveness so I can live this day without sin. That's why we thank God for another day. We don't thank him for another day because we get to smoke another blunt or drink another drink or go to another party and be all right. You're quiet on me now. <laughs> we teach in Bible study, huh? All right. Verse 16 says, well, salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes, talking about the Apostle Paul, the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. How many people know there's some things in the Bible that are hard to understand? Everybody should have their hand up, but I guess you're just kind of weary on the Daniel fast. I got you. Okay, but there are some things in the Bible that's hard to understand. Yes. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Now, this is scary stuff. When I read it today, I said, hmm. So people are twisting the scriptures that are hard to understand to make it fit what they want it to fit. But it only leads to your own demise and your own destruction. 
When we come upon any scripture that's hard to understand, we need to do our best to pray about it, to research it so we can understand it. And if we can't understand it, we need to go to someone we think does who who do understands it and have them to explain it to us. And we don't stop until we really understand it. But you don't want to twist it and make it fit what you want it to fit to say, yeah, that's what the word of God is saying, just so you can feel comfortable with the word. It will lead us astray. This is why we have faults. We have, we have, let me say it this way in a nice way. We have churches that still have not got to some truth yet. And the reason why is because some churches were started because some man or some woman followed the truth until a certain point where they didn't like the truth anymore. This is how this is how we have all these denominations when God only has one church, one body, one spirit, one baptism, one word. God only has a, a church that is one. And we have come to a place to make the church all different things, but the, we don't understand that it's only because we started following some organization or some man or some woman that's leading the church who got to a certain point in truth and says, but I don't like that part. I don't agree with that. And once they don't agree with it, they go and start something. So whatever, they are, whatever they're going to start is going to be truth all the way up to where they receive an accepted truth. And then they start up with their own stuff after that. So when you want to know how come smart people, intelligent people, people that are well-educated, how could they have gone into false doctrine? What happened? Because they love the truth up to a certain point of when it offended them. I don't care how smart you are. You will be offended by God's word. I don't care how intelligent, how educated you are. God's word will offend you at some point in time. And you're going to have to say, man, God, that's just, just crazy. That, that, that cuts. That, that hurts. But you know what, God? You are God Almighty. You know all things. You know what's best for me. And right now, while I don't agree and I don't like what your word says, I'm going to get over me pretty soon. And I'm going to do what you want me to do. We have to get over ourselves to stay in truth. We have to get over ourselves to stay in truth. All of us will be offended. At, did you remember the text in the Bible that said that they were following Jesus? And Jesus stopped and he said at one point, you're going to have to drink my blood and eat my body. And the Bible says many turned back from following him. That offended them. Eat your body. Who do you think you are? Drink your blood. You must be out of your mind. So the word of God will offend you, but it's still truth. You don't let it turn you around or turn your back because you got offended. You just, just, just pull up your bootstraps and say, God, that one cut. That one hurt. I didn't like that. But you know what? I'm going to do what you want me to do. I don't know anybody that liked to fast. Who in here liked to fast? No hands went up. So that's how you know we don't always like the word of God. But that doesn't make it false. That doesn't mean we turn to something else. It just means we didn't like that. But we know that is good for us because God, he doesn't make any mistakes. And his word is true. He is truth. 
I like that. And so in verse 17, it says, therefore, their friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secured position. Living for God, if you're doing it right, you are in a secured position. But if you allow yourself to get involved in lawless behavior, doing what you want, you put yourself in jeopardy of falling and removing yourself from that secured position of salvation. That's the word of God. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. So we're going to focus on that text tonight in verse 18 where it says grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So growth as I've been talking about for the past four weeks it really matters. Growth is necessary, and tonight's topic is growth requires change. Growth requires change, and maybe that's the challenge and the reason why we don't grow as best as we could or as much as we could is because growth requires change. And check this out, we don't like change. By nature, human beings resist change. Mm -hmm. We want things to work the way we want them to and when we want them to. But change usually disrupts that. So when we want things to work, we want them to work. It's like technology. They make us embrace technology. And then technology don't work. And I want to snap when technology don't work. Because I'm still of the mindset, y'all force this on us. Because there's still probably some things we could do without technology, but our world has forced us to operate with technology. And so since you want to force us to function and operate with technology, it better work all the time. And so there are times when it doesn't work, and I just, uh, uh, this technology stuff, get on my nerves. And that's what I say because I just know that they made us embrace technology. Well, if it's that good, make it work all the time. That's just me talking to the air. I'm not talking to anybody. It's just me talking to the air. But, but what I'm really saying is I don't like you changing up what I'm trying to get done. I'm trying to get something done, and I can't get it done the way I would like to because things are not working the way I want them to when I want them to. That's most of us. We are quick to criticize innovations because the necessary changes frightens us or interrupts our routine. So that's kind of why, one of the reasons why we do not embrace innovations, change. And we criticize it because it's going to cause us to, to it's going to interrupt our routine. Or, you know, sometimes we get frightened and wondering. I like to, my, my mother, 
um, for the longest, you know, when direct deposit came and, you know, you know, you know how sometimes we can um, take a picture of the check and, and, and deposit the check. She stayed far away from those things. She gets so nervous. She don't want no direct deposit. I think she don't have a choice by this time, but she don't like direct deposit. She don't want to have nothing to do with electronic banking. They're going to get my account and steal my money. <laughs> right? So, so that's just her thing. Everybody has some thing about technology that frightens them. Today, identity theft frightens us because with all that's going on, someone can just steal your identity. And before you know it, you're just going through a whole lot of mess just trying to work it out because technology frightens us in some of the things that it can do. And so we don't want that change. We want it to work a certain way so we don't have to worry about change. People once said this, that cars would never replace horse and carriage. Can you believe that? That people said that? They must have been out of their minds, right? I know. Others said that the light bulb wasn't any better than the kerosene lamp. Must have been crazy too, right? Others declare that the television would never replace the radio as a primary source of entertainment. People listening instead of watching, and we thought listening was better. When Alexander Graham Bell invented an instrument called the telephone, which enabled people to talk through a wire over great distances, he was almost laughed to scorn. Who's laughing today? It don't even have no wires going on no more. <laughs> Today we are arguing. Here we go, because I'm a part of the argument. Today we're arguing whether or not electric cars will totally replace gasoline cars. <laughs> I just, I just, I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and they, they have an electric car and went out. Um, I don't know Monday night or something. And got stuck. <laughs> Ran out of juice. Coming from New York and coming down the turnpike. And every uh, uh, station that says that they had a charging station when they pull over, broken, not working. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And then got way down the highway. Everywhere um, they went, it was like dark. It just wasn't anything. Finally, had to park the car and call a tow truck to tow the car, and the tow truck towed the car to a charging station. Then here's the problem with the charging stations. The charging stations take about 40, oh, I got some electric cars here, I forgot. <laughs> then, then on top of it, the charging station took about one hour, 15 minutes, because the battery was all the way down. One hour, 15 minutes to charge before the car was back to normal. So the big issue, when I talked to my car dealership um, before I got my last car, just to kind of get the scoop, they said, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And what they were really saying is, it's not enough charging stations around to really make it feasible that you can just go anywhere, anytime, and just not worry about it. It's not enough charging stations. Not to mention the other thing that they're going to have to do that you all want to watch out for. Tell the government or vote somehow to make sure whatever charging station they put in place, it should never take more than 15 minutes to charge you back up to full force. From zero to all the way to the, um, getting the uh, battery all the way charged up, it should never take no more than 15 minutes. Because today we roll into a gas station, take us five, seven minutes to fill up our cars. Okay, 15 minutes and we should be charged. Don't be trying to give us electric cars if you're not ready for us. So we're fighting over that. But that the electric car might win. 
But hopefully they'll get good charging stations and good chargers. Some people have the chargers at their home. I don't know how long it takes, but when you leave home and you want to go to Virginia, then what? You can tell what side I'm on right now, right? <laughs> you can tell what side I'm on. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Sister Ebony. You can tell what side I'm on right now, right? We tend to resist change is all I'm trying to say, all right? We tend to resist change, but change is necessary for us to grow. It really is. The early Christians were opposed to change from communicating the word of God orally to writing it down. So that was a little issue back then that we probably never thought about. That remember, if you study, you'll go go way back. You'll notice the word of God, you know, came orally. And it was first orally before, you know, it was starting to be recorded, before they started, you know, copying the, the, the word of God. But a lot of it was spoken orally before we actually had have the Bible. If somebody didn't make a decision that, you know what, we can't just keep on keeping this on scrolls and bring it out every once in a while for people to read the law. We have to make it a real book so everybody can have it. We would be still stuck in that age of, oh, you know, we got to meet every seven years and the pastor read the whole law. Can you imagine if that's what we did? We meet every seven years and we read the whole Bible. (laughs) Obviously, we live in a changing world. But some changes are good and some are bad. As far as the apostolic church is concerned, the slightest change in message would be absolutely fatal to who we are. We can't change this message. God says we can't change his word. We can't add to it and we can't take away from it. Change is, is, is good in some instance, but in some instance it's bad. In the early church, they wrestled with the issue of change. Acts chapter 6, some of you know it, but we can just read through it real quick because I'm going to read it from the NIV. So when I read NIV, I can read fast. (laughs) When I read KJV, I got to slow it down. NIV says, in those days, in verse 1, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews... Among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So take that for us. As we grow as a church, all the methods that we have applied, they might have to change a little bit. We might not be able to keep doing what we've always done as we grow. So we, even as a local congregation, have to understand that change will happen. So when you see change, don't grab your head and say, what are they doing? We're growing and we're learning how to adapt on the fly. Somebody see, man. Uh-huh. And so, verse 3 says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, or Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, 
and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. They changed on the fly to make sure the word of God was being preached and they were propagating the word and people were hearing it and getting saved. So the church has to change, not the word, not the message, but it might have to change some methods in order to be effective because the number one thing that the church has been called to do is to reach our lost world, to get them saved, and to minister to them, to equip them to fulfill their purpose in Christ. It's just that simple. I know it might have, you know, look at the video later on and you'll catch what I just said, what the church is supposed to do. So all that we're doing, everything that you see in the church, most of it all great things, but the, the core of what the church is, is it's supposed to be the vehicle that reaches our lost world. And when we reach our lost world, we're supposed to lead them to salvation, for them to repent and to get baptized in the name of Jesus, to be filled with his spirit, to, to know what holiness is and, and be holy and righteousness and live righteous, and then begin to be equipped in the word, which is what we're doing tonight, so they can become who they need to be to fulfill their purpose for why they were born. Everybody in the world, that's nutshell, what we're supposed to be doing. If it doesn't please you, talk to the Lord about that. But that's really what he, what he set out to do. Because at the end of the day, he had created a people that he wanted to be family with. And we went off on our own and did all kinds of things. We let the devil in and let him do what he wanted to do among us. And God is trying to restore back his family. That's really what this is all about. God is trying to reconcile, restore his family back together. But as you know, there's always some family that's like, I'm good, man. I, I don't like y'all. You don't have some family members that just like, I'm good. Whenever you have events, they don't show up. All right. They good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't like y'all anyway. Well, there are some people that, that do, they do that to the church. I don't like the church, so I'm not going. Well, it's okay. Just kind of understand that the church belongs to the Lord and, you know, it's his family and he's trying to get his family on the right track and, if you want to reject the Lord and not be a part of his family, it's okay. You just won't be a part of his family. Whatever comes with that, that's on you. Right? That's not hard. Change is required for us to grow as individuals and as the body of Christ, the church. So it's required. We have to change. The way we came to church for many of us, is it shouldn't be the way we still are today. Yes, our personality is still the same, but when we came in, the first time we came in, that was how we came in. What they say, come as you are, sure, come as you are, but God don't plan for you to stay as you are. You come as you are. Anybody come any way they want. If somebody walking here tonight half naked and smelly, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Ask them if they're hungry. Can I get you something to eat? Can I get you something to drink? Are you okay? Do you have some place to live? That's what you ask them. Don't be making faces and be like, I ain't sitting next to them. Somebody must be getting ready to come in here like that. I know how the Lord works. 
But, but, but that's how we're supposed to be because God is going to work in their life. And as God work in their life, next thing you know, they come back the next day, somebody bought them a nice outfit. And so they come back the next day looking different and your eye kind of, you got to control yourself. Mm, they look different today. Yes, because God is good. And then they come in the next day and they just keep coming and you just keep seeing them growing and changing. Because however you come to God, God will not keep you that way. God has greater things for you. God has better things for you. God has things in store for us that's better than we can ever imagine. How we come in is not the way God wants us to leave because God has better things in store for us. We could never do better for ourselves than God can do for us. Pity us to think that we can manage our life better than God could. That's kind of what we do a lot. And, and some of it, you know, we, we, we do it out of ignorance, but a lot of it we do it intentionally. But there is no way possible we can manage our life and make our life better than how God can make it. And at some point, we will recognize that. Everybody don't know that right now, but we keep praying and we keep coming and we keep obeying God. And hopefully we'll come to that place where we understand, man, God will do so much better with my life than I would ever do for it. Because all I do is make decisions that blow up in my face. (laughs) In the opening text, we read, uh, notice that uh, in the opening text that we read, we notice that Peter is warning the saints about ignorant, unlearned people twisting the scriptures to tamper with the message of Paul because the scriptures were, were, were difficult for them to understand. But he also exhorted them to continue to grow. Church, can I tell you, we cannot allow different things that happen in the church to just cause them to shut it down and be done with church. That's not a smart decision. I was, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody. But we were just talking about, I was at work talking about this, giving people premarital counseling at work. I said, listen, if the people that's been married for 60, 50 70 years will give us some of the low light. It probably will help us. I didn't say highlights, low lights. Because for marriages to get to 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years, those people went through some stuff. They, were, they had to forgive. They, they cried. They fussed. They fought. All kind of stuff happened for them to get to that. So it's great to say we've been married 60 years, but we have to realize a lot came with that. Well, if we're going to make it to heaven, a lot comes with that. And people are going to tick you off. Some people are going to do some things you don't like. People are going to talk about you. I'm going to make a mistake that you're going to say, "Mm, what's up with that? It just, it's life. It's people we're dealing with. It will happen. But don't let that, let you turn God off. God is still God. He can get me right. He can get you right, and he can get the people around you right. The biggest thing that distinguishes, listen to this carefully, the biggest thing that distinguishes one mind from another is the capacity of growth. The biggest thing that distinguishes one mind from another is the capacity of growth. All of us have the capacity to grow. Some 
take on that challenge and others just shut it down. But it's not because my mind is better than your mind. That's not it. It's all about who will aspire to grow. Not about your mind being better than mine. Because if we stretch our mind, I can get into it scientifically. If we will allow our mind to, 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 to be stretched and, and, and we begin to, 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 to put what we need to put in our life for us to grow, trust me, we will see that we're not that much different. We will see that we're not that much smarter. It's just some people have put themselves to the test to say, I want to grow a little bit more educationally or mentally. They, they talk about people that, you know, hit their 90s and they're still doing crossword puzzles and still reading and doing things because they intend to keep their minds sharp. You have the capacity to grow mentally. It's up to you. It's not because you're dumb. Nobody, you can't say because they're smarter than me. Just do what stimulates the mind and you will grow you have the capacity so that's really the difference between us as people is just because some have put the, have invested in growth in their life and others even some that has invested they just has done it really small increments in, in tiny increments and, and you know they put more time into fun stuff that they like and stuff that they enjoy but not stuff that will challenge them to grow and so that becomes the difference between all of us is how we decide we want to grow here we are told to grow in the scriptures we're told to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ now the text does not mean grow into grace or grow into knowledge because, hear me now, it really means that we already been <clears throat> growing in, we are already in grace or we're already in the knowledge of God. You couldn't be here today if you didn't have some knowledge of God. You couldn't be here today if it wasn't for the grace of God. So you are already experiencing his grace. You are, you are already in some way in the knowledge of God, but the Apostle Peter is telling us, but we have to grow more than where we are. We're in there already. We're experiencing grace. We have knowledge, but that's not enough. We need to grow. And I'm not saying something foreign because, you know, if we use our normal everyday living, guess what? I remember when my last two kids, when they were in kindergarten, they're in seventh grade. So the point of the matter is, they didn't stay in kindergarten. They didn't stay in first grade, right? They kept going to the next grade. They kept going. And so, so it is in the natural, it should be in the spiritual. What I know about Jesus Christ when I first came, I should know some more about him, about this time. Because I've been around for a while and I need to know some more. I need to experience the grace of God and I need to extend grace more because I'm growing from the time I came into church and got saved. I've grown. I hope some of you have grown. The seed in a corn of wheat has unknown possibilities. It is planted. It germinates. It rises from the darkness of the dirt to the light of the day and steadily advances to a golden fruitfulness. A soul is a seed of undeveloped possibilities. Every soul 
is a seed of undeveloped possibilities. You have no clue the possibilities that lie within you because with you and Christ, all things are possible. Isn't that what God tells them? Everything with man is not possible, but with Christ, all things are possible. And when your soul is linked to Christ, all things are possible. The potential that we have to grow with Christ being our link is it's unknown to us. Wherever all of us, starting with me, wherever we are today, oh my goodness, there's so much more for us to learn and there is so much more for us to grow and attain and so far for us to go in Christ. We're, we have a great way to go before we get out of here if we will trust the Lord and follow the leading of his spirit and obey his word. And so in a soul are immeasurable energies of life that may be developed, but may remain in the germ state. It may lie unawakened or may be irregularly or imperfectly developed. So some of us uh, could be uh, irregularly developed or imperfect developed because we're not putting the, the, the proper investment or the proper time and effort into growing. But God has called us to grow, church. Wherever you are today, we thank God for that. But God has so much more for you to grow up into and learn and know about him and grow in grace. It's so much more than where we are. In the soul, there are wonderful possibilities of aspiration and humility, of courage and faith, of wisdom, prayerfulness, of holiness and service to God, and the education that is yearning to come forth and give God glory. When we grow, we give God glory. Anybody want to give God glory aside from praising, clapping our hands, worshiping? Just grow. Let God work in you. God wants you to grow. You never have to guess whether or not God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow. He put you here so you can grow. The things that he has in store for you, you will achieve a lot of it because you will grow. The human body is an incredible mechanism. Built by the Almighty God, as we know, and like all of God's creation, our body must change constantly for us to stay alive. I caught them in a, um, in a Daniel moment. <laughs> I, I caught y'all in a Daniel moment. When you're not in Daniel moments, I get an amen. When you're in Daniel moments... The body, the flesh is getting you. The flesh is wearing you down. <laughs> Listen, you want me to tell you a funny story? When I, when I go home tonight, the flesh is going to wear me down. But because I'm doing something spiritual, I'm full of energy right now. I cannot lie to you. This is what I know about fasting. You do, you do spiritual things when you're fasting, and you'll feel like, man, I've got all the energy in the world. And as soon as you're done, you just no energy. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. But God wants us to grow, church. Yes, it's his will. And so our body is, it, it is changing constantly. 
Mm -hmm. In fact, the medical world and clinical definition of death is a body that does not change. Change is life. Stagnation is death. If you don't change, you die. Mm. Mm. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We're getting there. We'll wrap this up in a second here. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I think I'm back to the regular version here, KJV. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Remember what I told you the church's responsibility is. So let's look at some stuff here. Verse 4, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, watch 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I know you thought you couldn't be perfect, but the Bible says unto a perfect man. Wrestle with that one. But hopefully because I'm a good teacher, I'll tell you, that word perfect don't mean flawless. That word perfect means complete in Christ. So whatever God has for you to be in him, when you become that, you become complete. That's what he's saying. So again, how do we get to that completion stage? We have to grow. Right? And when we grow and we become complete in Christ, it means what God designed us to be, we have become that. Woo! So when you hear about perfection in, in the scripture, most of the times it's not talking about flawless because only one that's flawless. When you hear perfection, start perking up and says, man, so you're telling me God wants me to be whole, complete in him, not per perfect in him. And so we all can achieve that because that's what he says. 14 says that we henceforth be no more as children. They say children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. And I could work on this text all night long. I'm not going to. But, but God wants us to, to, to be complete in him. He, he, he wants us to, 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 to be whole. He wants us to, to do the work of the ministry, right? And he says, I want you to do that because I don't want you to be like children. Children are just tossed to and forth. They, 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 they're just all over the place. If, if you remember your kids when they were little, you know they were just all over the place. And even as teenagers, they're all over the place. And even as, you know, some young adult all over the place too. And so they're all over the place, to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. So now you know why we have Bible study and why we have discipleship class and why we have Sunday school and why we preach the word of God. is so you don't believe and begin to practice every kind of word that you hear. We got to know our word, church. We got to know what the Bible says. And we can't just fall for every single thing that come about. I told you that there is a church or there could be many churches that when they're baptizing people, they says, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and that name is Jesus. That sounds good. And if you're not on your game and don't know the word, you're going to say, well, that's the same thing. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where did someone ever get baptized like that? 
But if you're not on your word game, you're going to say, yeah, I can understand that. I don't see the difference in that. I'm not here to condemn anybody because I want to help people that don't know truth. I want them to know some of the truth that I know. And if they know some truth that I don't know, then give it to me. So I'm not here to make anybody feel less than or talk bad about anybody because I just think that's, that's just ridiculous for churches to talk about churches. That, that don't make sense. But the bottom line is what I'm telling you, I'm giving you an example so you understand we have to know our word because things will be said out there that if you're not knowing this, you can say, well, you know what? I understand that. And you don't want to go down that road because once you start compromising in one scripture, you're going to compromise in a lot of scripture. And I've seen it. I've seen it. Elder said this a long time ago. T.F. Tinney said it a long time ago. He said to me and to many people, I was in one conference he was teaching, a seminar he was teaching, and he says, once you start compromising one of God's word, you start compromising a lot of it. He said this, he said, there are some standards that the pastor will, will, will place in the church. Pastors put standards in the church to, to protect the folks that are in the church. But of course, everybody, well, I'm grown, I don't have to worry about that. And I remember Elder Tenney said, he says, standards are like guardrails. He said, when you remove guardrails, go on a turnpike. When you remove guardrails, anytime you have an accident, you are going to have a worse accident than if you didn't have guardrails. <laughs> I wish I could help some people. They would listen to me. We want to compromise these little things, and we don't realize that it don't start off big. The devil is not an idiot. Well, he's an idiot, but not an idiot like that. He doesn't start off making you do something big. He knows he can't do that. If he gives you something big to do that's wrong, you're going to, yeah, that's wrong. So he starts with something little. Make it like it's no big deal. And here you go, oh, yeah, I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, the same kind of thing, right? I mean, what's the big deal? And as soon as you bite that, he says, got him. And now he start working on getting you to lower your standards for everything else. And before you know it, you have compromised the word of God completely and justifying it with an explanation. But speaking the truth, or 14, let me finish up 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. The word of God says we need to grow up. In Christ. Again, here's that growth thing again. We need to grow, church. Tell your neighbor you need to grow. Don't get offended, neighbor. We all need to grow. Growth is the name of the game in the church. And growth is, by its very definition, change. Ain't no way you grow when there's no change. If we grow, change. Our body is alive only because it is constantly changing. And because those parts that can't keep up and keep up and contribute to the whole are constantly dying. So there are parts in our body that it can't keep up with the growth, so we just die off. 
because they can't keep themselves dying. Uh, um, you know, you know, you have old flesh on our, on, on our body that's just withering because they can't keep up sometimes with the growth that's going on. And I'm sure there's more in-depth things of things that are dying within us because it can't keep up with the change of growth. Death and changelessness go together. Life and change go together. To grow and have revival and to do the will of God, our church, this church, I'm not going to speak for anybody else's church, may occasionally have to change our methods. We are, we, we are starting something new with our children, and we want to do children's church, and we're trying to figure out the best way to do it. And we're going to do all kinds of things and try and just bear with them, be patient, because that's just kind of what you have to do. When you're trying something and you're trying to figure out what's best, you're going to try some things that might work, some things that might not work. It's just the way it go. And in anything that we do in this church, sometimes we're going to try something and it's not going to be the best way. And then guess what? We'll regroup and we'll do it a different way until it works. We have the spirit of God. We have the word of God. And we have smart, talented people in this church. So we'll get it right at some point. But we have to change methods. And sometimes it doesn't work right away. But just bear with us. Work with us. If you have good ideas, you know, we're always open for suggestion. Growth. In grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. These are the qualities in which we are to grow. They are the starting point and goal of Christian life. They are exhibited in the fullness, in their fullness in Jesus Christ. And if we are vitally united to him, we shall grow into his likeness. I'm finishing here. To grow in grace is to grow in virtue. Faith, meekness, gentleness, patience, and a spirit of forgiveness and usefulness. You hear me? To grow in grace is to grow in virtue, grow in faith, grow in meekness, grow in gentleness, grow in patience, grow in spiritual forgiveness just to forgive people. And grow in usefulness. Are you useful in the church? To grow in grace is to increase in a spirit of conformity to the will of God. And to govern our conduct more and more by the same principles that God does. We grow in the knowledge of Christ by first obeying his word. Hear me now on this knowledge thing. God just just showed me this and I was like, yeah, that's pretty good, God. <laughs> we grow in the knowledge of Christ by first obeying his word. You can't grow in the knowledge of Christ if you don't obey his word. You have to first, you have to blindly, ignorantly, any way you will, just obey God's word and just say, I don't even know what this means. But what am I supposed to do? Okay, let me just do it. Start off like that. Somebody hear me tonight. I'm speaking to somebody. Don't, you don't have to worry about how it all sounds, what it means. I mean, what is the result when you do it? Don't worry about none of that. Just start out by saying, I don't even understand this. I don't even know what this means, but I'm going to do it anyhow, God, because you're God, and I'm going to trust you and obey you. That's how we start. If you want to get knowledge, if you want to receive the knowledge, if you want to grow in the knowledge of God, just just obey his word and not even worry about it. That's how we start. His word, 
this is this is little help that he gave me, and I just smirk at it today. His word is like a trail that you follow, and it brings discoveries that you would not see and know if you didn't follow the trail. His word, if you keep following, I Bible study man here tonight, but I, no secrets, I can tell. So I was teaching in my Bible study tonight, and I told, Brother Tim, this was good. I'm glad you did it. So we were talking about the Exodus, and we started with the Passover, and we read through that, and we're talking about the Exodus, and that's the Bible lesson that we're on. And so when we got done with it, Brother Tim has a Bible, and he showed me, and he was like, Pastor, look at the map of what, the way they took to, to get to the promised land, right, to, to get to cross over the Red Sea. And it was so good because when he showed me the map, I smiled. I said, watch this, Brother Tim. I said, watch the side of where they were going. It was water, sea. Watch the other side. It was sea. And look in front of them. It was the sea. So when they started going in the direction that they were going in, Pharaoh decided to go after them because he thought that they might have been lost or they didn't know where they were going. So he might as well go chase them and bring them back to Egypt to make them slaves to him again. So he pursued them because of where they went. I got them. They so stupid. That's why they were supposed to stay here to serve me and my people. And so he pursued them. And as he pursued them, that's when the Lord plan began to work. And that's when the Lord says, Lift up your hand, Moses, and Moses lift up his hand, and the sea parted. They became walls, and the, and the ground became dry, the sand dry, and they walked across and made it all the way through. Then the Lord said, lift up your hand again, Moses. He lift up his hand, and the water came through, and the Egyptians all, their, their chariots broke off in the mud, and, and they just got stuck in the sea, and the water covered them, and they all drowned. Here's what Brother Tim, what I showed him tonight. The map shows that if they would have went north and go across, it would have been shorter and easier to get over to the land where they were going to. But that wasn't the way God told them. So here we go as people. Now, this is stupid. Why are we going to go that long way down there, down by the water, when all we got to do is go up and cut across? I'm not going that long way. Now, thinking like regular people, I'm starting to think in my mind, Sister Crystal, I wonder if a couple of people went up that way. I'm just saying, I never thought about that till just now. Because we always think we just know, and God knows best. And so he wanted to destroy Pharaoh's army, and he was going to do it in the Red Sea. He didn't tell them that. But that's what he was going to do. And so he made them go the long way, the crazy way that looked like, man, this is crazy. Just so he can show Israel a miracle. I part the sea. That was one miracle. I made the sand dry. Did you think about that? That when he parted the sea in order for them to walk on it and not get stuck. And their, and, and their mules and, and, and all of their animals had to pass through. It, it couldn't be muddy. So the water was parted, became a wall, the, 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 the sand became dried hard so they could walk across. It was like the desert. They were walking in the desert while they were really in the Red Sea. And so now they get across, here come Pharaoh and his boys, go, beating his horse, go. And as soon as they get near, the first thing that happened is the sand became muddy again. 
That is just funny. The sand became muddy again. So the chariots can't run like they used to run. Because, you know, they run on, you know, the, 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 the sand, you know, when it's dry, real good. Now the wheels start getting stuck in the mud. And Pharaoh horse and stuff can't pull it. And before you know it, everybody getting stuck in the mud because now the sand is getting dry and the water started probably coming in from the bottom already. And then all of a sudden, boom, crashed in, boom, they gone. If they would have went up top, Pharaoh would have captured them and brought them back to Egypt. Just that simple, simple stuff that God tells us. And I was telling Brother Tim, I said, this is when, 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 when the Egyptians, when, when God told Israel that they needed to get out of Egypt. If you read through, I think, Exodus chapter 13, 12, 13, the, the, the entire chapters, I think, I, I was showing Brother Tim, I said, look at all the instructions. Go tell the people, get a lamb, one year old, make sure it's not blemished. I mean, he running some stuff down. I'm like, how do you remember all that anyway? Make sure at midnight, make sure at a, in the evening that you, 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 you kill the animal, that you get the blood, you put it on the two posts and then up top and, and make sure you roast it. Don't leave nothing over. He's going through all of that stuff. And I showed Brother Tim, I said, and people want to think that baptism in Jesus' name is just no big deal. It's not that important. You can get baptized anytime, any way you want. That means God is changing if we can get baptized any way we want. It means God is no longer a God that is detailed and precise. It means now he changed from being precise and detail-oriented to just fly by the seat of his pants. Ah, you know, whatever you feel like, it's okay. That means the same thing as this. No, it doesn't. So if you want to go back to Exodus and see, even Genesis, and see when he created, how God is specific, he's precise, everything that he says has purpose. When he tell them to go south before they go north, it had purpose. It might not have made sense, but it had purpose. God's word is specific, and it had purpose. We can't overlook anything. No jot, no tittle, every single word, line upon line upon line, precept upon precept upon precept, here a little dear, don't remove anything out of it. If you don't understand it, stop and say, I need to understand that. It's too important. God is too specific in what he does and what he says for me to overlook anything. Oh, I don't see what's the big deal. Okay. Okay. That's how you think, but that's not how God thinks. I don't see that's a big deal. A plant cannot grow unless it is rooted in its native element. And we cannot grow unless we're rooted in our native element. That is our creator, Jesus Christ. Let me do this. Here are four growth tests. This is it. I'm serious. Four growth tests that you can take for yourself that you can measure if you're growing. The first growth test is this. Our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your love for God and, and see if you're growing. Here is how you want to look at your love for God. Are you loving God for what he can do? And what he has done, or you're loving God for who he is. If you can figure that out, you will know where you are in your growth process. And it's okay to say, because remember, most of us come to God because of what he can do for us. So I believe most of us start there. 
So let's not be ashamed of that. If you are loving God because he just do good things for you and he blesses you, make a way for you, he, he, you got baptized in his name and now you're saved and, and, and you're, you're just loving him because of what he has done for you, it's okay. It's not like a sin. But we have to grow and mature. And at some point, we need to be loving God just because of who he is. And if he never does another thing for you, you still love him. That's where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to that place where we love him just because of who he is. If he never talked to us, if he never answered another prayer, we need to feel like, you know what? I just love the Lord for who he is. You know, I find myself just... It's amazing. If you get in the word enough, you will have jokes with the Lord. You will laugh with the Lord. You will just call it. You will talk to him like you're talking to somebody here. I say, I say to the Lord all the time, man, you something else. All day, every day, you something else. I said, man, you are just no joke. I said, you don't miss nothing, do you? I said, you got this thing tight. I say that to the Lord all the time. Because I've got to that place in relationship with him that I'm talking to him just about how he is. I'm impressed by the Lord. I, I love the Lord. He is just impressive. Just, 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 just so good. Last night I was teaching a discipleship class and I was telling them one of the great things about God that we're missing, which is something really, really wonderful and we're missing. Someone says, if Jesus Christ is God, then why is he praying to the Father? If Jesus Christ is God, why is he, you know, you know, making it seem like he has to get his, his instructions from the Father? I said, great question. And all Jesus did for us was show us what we're supposed to do. He is our example. And so as he, almighty God, that can break the rules if he wants because he made the rules, almighty God who is powerful that can do anything, he submitted himself to all of the rules and the laws and the principles of God just so we can see the right examples of how we're supposed to live. And because he did that, we're confused in his communication, the Father. Well, every human is supposed to pray to the Father. And so him being human, showing us the example, you need to pray. If he could have just said, this is, I'm doing this, and he said it in, 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 in some um, passages. I am doing this as an example. For instance, why did he ever get baptized? Why did Jesus get baptized? Baptism is to remove sins. Why in the world he getting baptized? Example, example, example. So this is just what he does, and, you know, we get it confused, but that's one of the great things about God. Grow test how you love him. Are you loving him for what he can do, or are you loving him just for who he is? The other one is, uh, another test of, of, of growth is, have you outgrown some things since you've been walking with Christ? Have you outgrown some things? Here's a thing that you can gauge if you have outgrown when you're young in God and, 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 and you are pressed to get an answer or you're pressed for something to happen good for you and, and the answer is not coming, do you get anxious? And when we start out with Christ, I'm sure we got anxious. But as we get seasoned and we grow in Christ, we're supposed to be like, listen, if I'm doing God's will... He will show up when he needs to show up. This is going to be just fine. We're going to be all right. When I think back about us purchasing this building, some of the times I got stressed out. I, I, this is the battle that I went through, Sister Crystal. 
Why are you getting stressed out? Why are you getting worked up? You know it's going to work out. I, yeah, but I had no, it's, it's the battle within ourselves. But that's the growth stage. And us coming into this place, I grew a whole lot. I grew a whole lot because I learned things that I need to be comfortable with. I learned things that I need to say, okay, I'm satisfied this way. I know this is how it works. And if I didn't learn a whole lot, I learned this. God will provide and supply for every need that we have when we're doing his will. Whatever we're doing for God, we don't need to become anxious. We don't need to worry about it. We just need to say, God, this is your business. It's up to you. And that's kind of how I do he probably get mad at me sometimes the way I say it. I, don't, I say it all like, you got it. You, not, you know you got it. Just like Mary did him. Well, God, I mean, your mom did you like that. I can do that. Remember when um, he turned the water into wine? Y'all still, Daniel passed. When he turned the water into wine, his mom said, his mom says, whatever he tells you, do it. And she walked away. This is what she did. Y'all, y'all with me still? Daniel was working a little bit. I'm trying to keep you all up. <laughs> all right, that was number two. Test number two. Test number three, another test of growth is the power to resist temptation. So, the temptation they should come all the time, got you every time. Oh, man. And you find yourself repenting a hundred, a hundred million times. And you're getting guilty now because you're saying, God, you're tired of me. I keep coming back to you, repenting about the same thing. I should be over it by now. I'm sorry, Lord. And you just feel like a dummy because you keep on going to God and repent about the same thing because the same temptation, temptation keep getting you. Well, there's going to come a day. Keep on growing, keep on living, and keep on trusting the Lord. There's going to come a day where you overcome that temptation and you're going to be able to say, I'm still tempted, but I'm not giving in. That's where it's up. I'm tempted still, but I ain't giving in. And eventually, you're going to just suck your teeth and be like, please, you don't have no power over me no more. That's growth. That's growth. You see what I'm saying? And finally, the fourth thing that you can do to make sure you're growing completely is when you, when you completely trust and depend on the Lord and his word for everything that you do, you know, you know what? I'm growing. For everything you do, you line it up with God's word. For everything you do, you trust God. That's when you can look and say, I know I'm growing now. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. All right, y'all stand and shake off um, Daniel. Daniel is good. Y'all all right? Amen. Y'all been doing good. I'm seeing all the recipes, all the people that's cooking all the different food. Man. Man. <laughs> I'm always waiting for Sister Crystal food. <laughs> I'm always waiting for her food. I want to see what she's coming up with. Sister Kitty, that jackfruit um, thing sounded pretty good. Yeah, the jackfruit chili. Yeah, so y'all doing good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, she did good with the jackfruit, jack, jackfruit chili, huh? Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, you know, you know, I know you probably don't know, but they be posting this stuff, so everybody know. Yeah, well, I'm just getting you up on game, getting you up on game. They post everything, so everybody know what's going on. <laughs> it's a good thing because I think people copying people, which is really good, and y'all can have good um, um, Daniel. Uh, my wife did a great Daniel. Um, what was that Tuesday? Ooh, sister, sister, she did all right. So I. 
Um, I don't even know what to tell you. Just show the picture. You didn't see the picture? Oh. No, 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 no. Hold still. Oh, we got to clear this up. You know what I mean? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let it, we clear this up. We are sharing things on text, on the leadership thing. And y'all can text y'all, the people that's not on leadership, so they don't think we have some um, channel going on. <laughs> so, so share it with everybody. Sister Patrice, share some of their menus with everybody and not just with the people on leadership. Because we're not on social media either, Sister Rosalie. <laughs> trying to call us out. <laughs> I'm not on social media, Pastor. I like it. <laughs> Let's just pray before we go. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and for bringing us together one more time. Lord, we're so grateful that you are just working so greatly in and in the midst of our congregation, in the lives of all of us individually. Lord, we're so grateful. Oh, God, we're so thankful we're part of the body of Christ and what you're doing. We're so thankful. I pray that you will continue to give us the strength to take it to the end in this Daniel fast. And, Lord, that Sunday when we come together, there will be a mighty move of your spirit. Lord, continue to bless and strengthen us. Everything that was spoken here tonight according to your will, help us, Lord, to receive it and allow it, Lord God, to go into our heart and take root and grow and produce good fruit that we can grow up in you, Lord God, in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say amen. If you can, give an uh, offering to the building fund. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night. And love on one another before you go. Sister Dion, bring your friend to me.